podcast for animated feature films. My name is Lily, and joining me today is my very special guest, Kyle. Hi. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. Having a great time. About to be having a much better time talking about some awesome animated movie. That's awesome. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for joining me today. Um, Thank you for having me on. (laughs) So, um, Kyle, do you want to kind of tell people who you are and what you do and where you're from and that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mainly what I'm doing right now is I'm the dungeon maestro or dungeon master. Master. It's a fun little thing that we do uh, over at Bombarded, which that's just a D and D musical podcast that I do with my band Lindby. We're all from Fort Worth, Texas, and we'd been playing, you know, as a band together since college. And then I introduced them into Dungeons and Dragons, and then Randy, who play uh, well Spurrier. I man, I need to get <laughs> get them make, not mixed up. But uh, Spurrier, our piano player, he had bought some chord dice, and then one thing led to another of us playing, and then realizing, oh, we need to figure out a way to make this work together. And mm-hmm. then we came up with Bombarded, where we wind up rolling those chord dice every episode to give you a, a you know an original song that's based in the world that they're playing in. So, and they also bring their instruments to the table and perform all their bard spells and everything. So, if you're looking for some D and D musical action, that's you know bombarded cast. Just shoot us, or uh, sorry, <laughs> search for us on on any of your social medias. You'll find us there, and uh, you know, search us in anywhere you get podcasts. Just bombarded. Yep, and I'm an avid fan and listener, and I can attest that it's. One of the best D&D podcasts of the many that I listen to. So, Oh, thank you so much. You're very flattering. <laughs> that's, I'm glad you're enjoying it. And that's one thing I was very worried about going into it is music people in the world. You know, I, I know the level that I expect, you know, studying music and everything. And then there's sure. that. And it's just like, OK, let's let's just test that water a little bit. <laughs> well, I'm a music person. So it was like really cool. That just from the beginning, the concept was awesome. And I just was super, super pumped. So being able to like, I don't know, just it, was, it combines two of my favorite things, music and D&D. So like what could yeah. be better than that? You know, right. <laughs> well, I'm glad uh, you're enjoying it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and thank you for being here on my podcast to talk about movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> this, you, when you hit me up about this, I was floored. I was just like, oh, man, which movie am I going to choose? And uh, I think there are reasons that I wound up choosing uh, either wanting All Dogs Go to Heaven or the one we're going to talk about today, uh, The Land Before Time. Yeah. So um, what? So since you were having a hard time picking, what specifically compelled you to uh, pick this movie? Um. It just, it's one of those ones, there's, there are four movies that stood out, four animated movies growing up that stood out to me, and it was The Land Before Time, All mm-hmm. Dogs Go to Heaven, Fern Gully, and man, I knew I'd be blanking on this last one, which is actually, oh, An American Tale. Oh, that's the, yeah. That's the fourth one. That's a and good one. And the reason is, is Don Bluth, who directed the, uh, the Land Before Time, also directed All Dogs Go to Heaven and An American Tale. I can't mm-hmm. remember who directed Fern Gully, but so this man, Don Bluth, is responsible for these three out of four of my favorite animated movies from my childhood. And that's, I guess that's why, because they were just really well done characters and really awesome storylines. I don't know. They, as a child, they just all like the magic of them. You know yeah. how you get wrapped up in the magic of animated movies. <laughs> sure. Yes, I I um I have to admit I don't know that I watched very many Don Bluth films growing up. I think I kind of like mm-hmm. skirted the outside of that 
era because that was more because a lot of his movies came out like in the 80s and the yes. 90s um and i also have two younger siblings so like a lot of the stuff that we watched growing up was stuff that they wanted to watch mm-hmm. um and so like we watched emperor's new groove a ton because that was my brother's favorite oh, yeah. um we watched finding nemo a lot we watched a whole lot of dora <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah uh i never want to watch dora again <laughs> um <laughs> i dodged that bullet with my little brother my little brother is seven years younger than me so i caught a lot of the stuff that you know he got to watch and you know, he was born in 1994 mm. and so you know i got like a second round of all those childhood movies so you know when the incredibles came around and toy story was definitely more of his I feel like his era in comparison to mine, because I was born in 86. Yeah. And I mean, you know, of course, I wasn't watching this this movie. Uh, the Land Before Time came out, I think, 88 is what yep. I remember. And, um, you know, it's not like I was watching it when I was two years old. I only remember watching it maybe at like four or five. But it just, man, I loved it. <laughs> Couldn't get <laughs> enough of it. And then, of course, you know, Jurassic Park followed that up. And I was just dinosaurs left and right. I really like sure. dinosaurs as a kid. Big, so maybe that's one reason, too. Big old dinosaur nerd. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I wanted so, to be Alan Grant. I wanted to dig in the dirt and find them dino bones. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So while we're talking about uh, this movie and when it came out. So it actually came out on November 18th of 1988 in the United States. Um, it... Uh, has currently has a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. It has a 4 out of 5 on Common Sense Media. It has a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is not super great. Uh, and then it has yeah. a 89% on Google. So common users give it 89%, which is a B. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, no, Bs are fine, right? Yeah, sure. Um, and it only made uh, 84, 84 million in the box office. Yeah. So, but it's a short film. It's only it's only just over an hour. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. Going back and watching it, I was like, okay, I remember all, you know, all the different, you know, plot points and stuff that happened in the movie and I was like, yeah. okay, we might be in for a good like hour 45 from what my child's recollection is. Mm-hmm. But no, that's not the case. It went by really fast and uh, you know, again having watched it today, I watched it twice in the last week and man, mm-hmm. it doesn't I don't think it's ever going to matter how many times I watch that movie. I will <laughs> always always cry yeah oh my gosh that it's so so emotional this movie is so moving and just i had never seen this movie before i had to watch it to talk to talk about it with you which i think i've seen some of the later ones like some of the other movies in the series because um i used to hang out with i had like two or three friends that i used to hang out at their house all the time and we watched like Mm -hmm. princess bride and master of disguise and land before time but it was like the later ones it wasn't the first one okay yeah when they got into the musical business and everything yes yes exactly no that's that's totally fair um yeah a lot of those ones from what i was reading a lot of those uh the ones that came after it weren't sequels. That's the word. I know words. I, I, I use them <laughs> regularly. Uh, n- most of those sequels were actually not done in Don Bluth's studio. They were just, you know, a lot of them straight to, actually all of them were straight to straight to VHS and yeah. put out. So, but yeah, no, this first one, and that's something, uh, I watched it with my wife and she was, she was like, I, I thought these were musical movies. And I was like, no, no, the no. first one is not. It has great, fantastic music. Um, but no, no, no musical pieces to sing along with. Hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting, interesting phenomenon of like, I, I don't know, but even though this isn't a musical, it has really good music. 
Yeah. The the variations that um oh what James Horner, the variations that James Horner uses in in this throughout this entire movie just really, really set it off and really mm-hmm. like are apparent. And you know, I I haven't seen this movie in I don't even know how long. But it's like all of it just came flooding back to me. I'm like, yes, I remember this th- this theme, and I remember you know it weaving in and out, and all the all the different musical play that was involved. Um, and I think one of the things about that, I was reading, um, Spielberg actually wanted this to be a a, a movie without any kind of uh, script. Mm-hmm. It was just going to be the music, and of course, the studio was like, ah, "I don't know if that's really going to meet with our like demographic we're going for." Yeah. So they wound up throwing in a script, but I, yeah, I could easily see how this movie could go without words completely, uh, and I think I would actually enjoy seeing an interpretation of that done. But absolutely, yeah. As a child, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I how I would have bought in if there was <laughs> any kind of lines or any kind sure. of uh, hard headedness from Sarah. Absolutely. Um, and for those that aren't familiar with James Horner's work, he's known for Titanic and for mm-hmm. Avatar, the blue people movie, not The Last Airbender. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, that Avatar. Yeah. The other one. Um, so do you want to give us like a quick breakdown of the plot and kind of what happens and that sort oh, of I would, thing? I would love to. Um, so essentially we're back in, you know, time before time, the land before time, if you will. Because that's the name of the movie. So, but what happens is essentially the world is getting to that point where all the foliage is going away and the dinosaurs are on this great migration to find the Great Valley. Uh, and it starts off pretty much, you know, all you see all the characters that are going to play out in the movie get, you know, born. And of course, the, the main character being Littlefoot. And he's a he's an apatosaurus or a long necked dinosaur, and um, he winds up being born to a very dwindled down herd of just his mom and his grandparents. So, but as as things go on, you know, he meets Sarah the tricer the Triceratops, and learns that you know, oh, three horns and long necks don't drive together. And uh, you know, there I was rewatching this. I was just like, oh man, that's a uh, that that's deep. I didn't catch that as a child, but I guess that's a good message, or it comes around to being a good message overall. But anyway, eventually the uh, the younglings and the older dinosaurs they get separated by a continent, like an earthquake or an earth shake, as they called it. I I love their terminology that they use in this movie for different things, like sharp tooth and earth shake and whatnot. But um, but they get separated and then they wind up, you know, going on this. Uh, going on this migration on their own as their own little herd to try to find the Great Valley because that's what, uh, man, I don't know if I should spoiler alert this, but Littlefoot, Littlefoot's mother dies at a certain point after they're chasing a, a, a frog, which they call a hopper. And, of course, anytime I heard about, you know, hopper, I was thinking about Stranger Things, and I was like, what is that guy doing now? So I don't know if you've watched Stranger Things or not. I do. I actually really enjoy Stranger Things. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Good. No, and like everything just comes to mind. Like when I hear Don Bluth, all I can think about is somebody is like Arrested Development. Is are we are we going there? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, and eventually they go through the different trials and tribulations of any kind of adventure that you would see. Um, mainly the main antagonist being the sharp tooth that keeps chasing them throughout the film until they make their way. And, you know, if you haven't watched the movie, you'll have to see if they make it there. I don't know. But I think that's more more or less the the plot is just like, yeah, here here are your characters. 
something bad happens and then they're they're on their they're on their walk to the uh, to the promised land which I saw some people online equating that to the dust bowl migration uh, mm. of America like people trying to get to California mm-hmm. that was a weird way to say that but but yeah <laughs> that makes sense I I would uh, I would understand that for being like a metaphor or I guess what's the is that the right term yeah yeah a metaphor <laughs> yeah. um cool so yes uh let's get into the paint here i don't that's not the right term and i keep using it (laughs) (laughs) that's okay Um, you can make it the term you want it to be yeah it'll be fine exactly i'll just make up my own things at this point yeah exactly Um, cool so um we can just go like from the beginning and go through and if we end up getting on a tangent you know there we are um sounds like a plan so i think I it's it's not right to pick favorites. <laughs> it's wrong no. and you shouldn't do it, but I think my favorite character in this movie is Ducky. Yes. I, yep, 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 yep. I love Ducky so much. I just want to like scoop her up and and hug her. Oh yeah, Ducky's fantastic. I I I'm in the same boat where it's hard because, you know, I want to associate with Littlefoot so bad, but Petrie was always just so weird and you know ecstatic to me that that was more where i lined up with is petrie and right. just his his want to you know fly and be up there and go but you know just his fear holding him back so i'd probably have to say petrie was was one of my favorite or was my favorite of the of the five yeah yeah i i don't know spike is pretty great too <laughs> Spike is pretty great, which uh, I, man, having to go back and do this, uh, you know, you learn so many different things like um, James Welker, who, I mean, voice actor extraordinaire, you know, tons of people know him. Uh, He actually does some of the, he does the voice for Spike, more or less the voice, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. but he makes all those sounds and everything. And it was just really cool. It's like, dang, this guy gets around on everything. So that was really cool to see. And, uh, you know, one thing that stood out to me with the voice actors about this is I I don't know any of the other ones. Hmm. Like, they don't stand out. And I think that's one thing, you know, because, again, this is back in 88. You know, it. I wonder I wonder where the divide is where they start having, you know, movie stars that are actually in, you know, live action films start doing voice acting. Like, I mean, I, that farthest I can think back is Tom Hanks and uh, sure. Tim Allen doing Woody and Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. Other than that, I don't think, you know, well, okay, I'll go back to All Dogs Go to Heaven. I believe it was uh, Burt Reynolds who did the dog, the voice of the dog. Sorry, I keep going into that movie, and I know somebody else is going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, that sounds about, that sounds right, I think. Uh, but yeah, I, I was going to say I was really struck by the fact that there wasn't really anybody that I knew in mm-hmm. the movie, like, or any voices that I recognized. Um, and they, like, kind of... When you read like Wikipedia pages or whatever, they kind of write it like you should know. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't know who Pat Hingle is. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. You know, I, you, they list him as like the narrator. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. I probably should know, but I really don't. It also is because a lot of his work was in, you know, a long time ago. Uh, yeah. But, 
Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, I'm not familiar. Just, I mean, I watched this as a kid and, you know, it's like, no, I don't know who these people are. I never even thought about it when I was a child to be like, oh, you know, who did the voice of Littlefoot or, you know, who's the voice of Ducky? Right. None of those things really occurred to me because they were just, when you're a child, for me, they were just characters. And it's like, no, these are the, the these are the characters. These are their voices and there's nothing else behind it. Sure. Absolutely. So, um, I actually was gonna like try to do like a where are they now for some of the kids that did voice acting in this movie because I actually wrote down on my notes while I was writing um, that the child voice actors are really great like they're really really good Um, Mm -hmm. and either either they're good actors or they're well directed or a little bit of both Um, there was one part where um, Sarah said something i don't remember which scene it was but there was the inflection of her voice she sounded like sally from peanuts okay like from charlie brown gotcha yeah was it maybe during the part where she was telling the story about how she confronted the sharp tooth and i i'm it may have been i don't remember but there is just something about her voice i was like oh my gosh she sounds like sally it was very (laughs) it was really cute um, but I did find out that Gabriel Damon, the little boy that played uh, Littlefoot, mm-hmm. uh, went on to be in Newsies. Oh, really? Yeah. I, he plays a character cool. that I don't recognize, but like, I guess he was like singing and dancing in Newsies, which is which is awesome. That is awesome. I love that. Um, no, that is really cool. Yeah. So that was like the one cool thing that I found. All the other ones were pretty much just child actors and then they didn't really do anything after they were not kids anymore. So, yeah, right. Which I don't blame them. That normally happens with with child actors. So, yeah, yeah, that seemed to be the status quo for sure. Um, Man, I was I was really thrown to find out that the girl who did Ducky's voice also did. Man, I keep going back to All Dogs Go to Heaven, but there's just so much. Like she did the voice of the of the little girl in All Dogs Go to Heaven too, yeah. and I was like, yes, that connection instantly was made for me, and I I couldn't believe it. But, <laughs> but yeah, man. Yeah, crazy stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so yes, uh, so from the starting from the beginning, um, the opening sequence is like this whole well, opening title sequence is like all this underwater stuff kind of showing like the circle of life and you have these little Mm -hmm. little tiny you know um critters that are getting eaten by big critters and bigger critters and you know kind of just showing like the you know the progression of of the food chain here in this in this world and then you you have the narration after that Mm -hmm. um but i was really struck by the opening because there's this beautiful like theme um, that plays oh, yeah. over the opening title sequence, um, you know, and being a person who enjoys music and, and ha- ha- studies music and has an ear for it. Um, I just was re- like, there was one moment, I don't remember exactly what happened on screen because I was so focused on like <laughs> the music, but uh, there was, there's just one part where there's a French horn solo and a choir singing at the same time and Mm -hmm. the choir sustains this pitch and the french horn moves down so they're in dissonance with each other and then it resolves and it's like this i got chills i was like oh that was so good please go back i I, like actually rewound so i could listen to it again because i was like oh that was so (laughs) yummy i want to hear that again no excellent yeah and the music uh like i said it hits very nostalgic for me where i just 
the the music alone wells up such emotion in me i just i can't help but like tear up because it, it's all nostalgia and i'm just like yes I, I i need to hear this again and now that you know with the studying that i've done in music and listening through it it's just like oh okay this this makes way more sense with the knowing the story and then knowing what the music's doing and understanding that side of it i just man it it fills me up in such a good way i i don't know i can't explain it it's just raw emotion <laughs> yeah totally um gosh i i i'm actually considering like trying to find this soundtrack now so i can have it like on my in my I wanted library. to see if there was sheet music out there for it. I was like, I haven't, I haven't looked at a Ooh. score in a while. I need to lay down some Roman numerals and yes. figure out what what he's doing here. Some good chord progressions going on. Yeah, some, absolutely. Some good um, so, I another thing that I wrote down. First of all, the character design for this movie is awesome. All of the, mm-hmm. the creature design is so just like fun and fantastical, but still kind of like. You know, if you were a kid, I could see how you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's real. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but all the babies were just so adorable and all the little egg hatching sequences. It just was so all cute. The noises that they did, the little, yeah. you know, the little baby noises and stuff, man. Littlefoot's like, you know, a little cry whenever he curls up into his mom's back is just like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's so adorable. Yeah, I it's. Yeah, it's just the whole opening sequence with all the babies hatching and like mm-hmm. all the moms and dads being together and the grandparents. It's just it's so sweet. It, it, it like they really get into your 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 heart really early in the movie so that way later they can just like tear you apart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they really do. They do set it up very well like that and uh yeah, that that dichotomy between the way the the way the babies are drawn and the way the parents look, you really get that sense of I mean, it looks very new versus old. And mm-hmm. I mean, they could have just, you know, yeah, this is what the dinosaurs look like, but no, the babies are fresh, and, you know, they don't have any markings, they're not dulling, they're not dull like the adults are. But uh one thing that stands out to me with the animation in that whole whole part is just the the perspective and this is throughout actually, the perspective of the adults versus the children. I mean, when you see those long necks on the screen, it's like, dang, they take up the whole screen. And yeah. I don't know, I feel the size of those creatures through that animation. And that yeah. just really hits home. It's, it's, it, you know, puts me in awe, really. They're, they're, yeah, those, they're big, 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 big creatures. I, yeah. Um, I, I love that they like had names for each other. Mm-hmm. That, like, we don't necessarily expect, you know, because, of course, like, you know, the dinosaurs aren't going to call each other, like, Triceratops and, you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like, they're not going to call each other right. that. They they have their own names. And I just, I thought that was a cool, like, a nice little world-building touch of how, like, oh, you're a, you're a Spike Tail, so we're going to call you Spike. And, you know, yeah. it just, I, I loved it. It was, that was a nice little... Yeah, no, it was, it was, it's a, like I said, the, all those terminologies that they use, uh, you know, sharp tooth. And, mm-hmm. um, I think when, when Bigfoot's mom is giving him the instructions on where to find the great Valley, you know, uh, the, what did she call it? The mountain, the mountain, the fire mountain. Yeah. The, the burning you know, they don't, mountains, the mountains that yeah, burn. The, yeah. The mountains that burn. And it's just like, man, that's, that's way better than just saying, oh yeah, you got to go past the volcano. Yeah. Uh, you know, the circle in the sky. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's not a sun. It's the circle in the sky. 
I love it. But they still knew cardinal directions, which kind of, you know, it's like, yeah, we got to go to the west where the circle in the oh, sky rests. True. And I was just like, okay, yeah. All right. Yeah. And another All thing right. I kind of kind of got me is that we we'll go back to the, you know, Littlefoot being born is with their feet the way they are, how did he like hug on to her nose like that? <laughs> I'm curious really. That was that, there was a lot of things that happened like that, like physically or, mm-hmm. you know, just I was like, the physics of this does not really make a whole lot of sense. But no, no, All no. right. <laughs> It's you know what it's it's a movie made for kids. It's you know. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, I was reading. Let it slide. Oh, go ahead. No, it's yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I was reading something. Uh, apparently, there are these. Some I can't remember where I read the interview, but uh, these people had interviewed two paleontologists who had actually watched this movie growing up, mm. and they you know it's one of the reasons they are doing what they're doing. Uh, and they're looking back and they're just like, oh man, the inconsistencies here, like (laughs) it's, it's definitely good. It's, you know, better to have an entertaining kids movie than something that's laden down with just fact after fact. And that's no fun. So it's just like, yeah, you know, just suspend the disbelief. Sure. Plus also, do you really think those folks would have wanted to become paleontologists if they had watched this movie about dinosaurs and it was full of like science? (laughs) Yeah. Right? It's like, let me tell you how Littlefoot and Sarah could have never walked to the Great Valley together. Exactly. 30 billion years. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, right? It's like, that play being that in said, science class. That being said, one of the things I wrote down was dinosaur racism with lots of question marks. And then, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? I was, you know, I was like, um, I feel like Sarah's dad's a certain type of voter. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was really bummed. I was like, little uh, long necks and three horns can't play together, and I was like, oh no, (laughs) no, they're just—they're all dinosaurs, like. (laughs) Right. It's just like, oh no, you'll be fine. And then, then that leads over to Littlefoot, and you know he passes, tried to pass that on to Ducky, and Ducky's just like, nah, what? Ah, what are you talking about? We can be buds. Yeah, right? That's why Ducky's so great, is Ducky's the solvent. Yeah. Or not the solvent, the glue. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, so, I, I love Ducky so much. I think, like, Ducky is who I would be in that situation. Yeah. Just kind of like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Heck yeah. Just, everybody, no, it's it's fine. Just everyone come together. Well, in the I way, in the way she treats Spike. Spike you, you would be Spike. Yeah, I just, I, I, I like food, so... <laughs> Hey, no, no shame in that at all. Right. Um, so one of the things that I noticed was that uh, the moral of the story gets told very early. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the mom says to Littlefoot, so Littlefoot is like, mom, have you ever been to the Great Valley? And she's like, no, I've never seen it. And he goes, well, how do you know it exists? And she says, sometimes you th- see things with your eyes and others with your heart. Yeah. Which is. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Which is real deep and uh, the moral of the story and like if you had the cognizant, co- the, the, if you had the ability to like pay attention and understand, you'd be like, okay, movie's over. I don't need to watch anymore. I've learned my lesson. Right. You know, but then like what's great is like you see him go on this journey of like learning that lesson that his mom taught him when he was little and didn't, you know, he didn't understand it then. Yeah, um, he's got to go to be able to get that how to see things through your heart. He's got to go through this venture with these other people right. to actually gain that perspective. Um, 
Yeah, no, that's that it's it's very very well done and doesn't I don't know. I by the end of the story, I don't feel left wanting for anything. I feel like mm-hmm. everything's tied up with a nice bow and I you know, granted watching back on it now, I halfway wonder uh, if Littlefoot's mother is more like an Obi-Wan figure than anything. Right. It's like she's gone, but she's still around talking to him, so yeah. what's going on there? Yeah, dinosaur clouds. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I also loved the the old mentor that showed up like right after the mom died. Oh, Ruder. Ruder, yeah. Yeah. Aww. Which I have a I have a weird weird thing about that too, because that's the that's Pat Hingle, the the narrator. The narrator, right. Yeah, and so which means to me that Ruder didn't just stop you know, stop his interaction with Littlefoot there. He followed Littlefoot. And he followed him all the way through this, and that's the only way he knows this story. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I that's something I realized just going back through these recent watches. It's just like, okay, this isn't just a you know a narrator. This is actually Ruder. Ruder is the narrator, and he's followed Littlefoot the entire time. Which I think, looking back on it like that, gives me a better sense of like, okay, he probably would have been all right to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no. At first, I was like, ah, is that creepy that he's just kind of following Littlefoot? And it's like, I'm going to tell this story later. Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> this is going to make a great, great addition for my bookshelf. Right. When I have one of those. <laughs> but uh, the, that that actual role of Ruder actually got put in um, because uh, like the producers and everything had a child psychologist come in. And they were worried about the whole effects of little you know Littlefoot's mother's death on yeah. child audience and the child psychologist was like you need somebody to like clarify this and that's how Ruder came to be you know he gives him a little bit of perspective and you know you're you know your mother may be gone but she's always going to be with you if you remember the things that she taught you hmm. and man that's just I don't know that really hits home too because it's just like all right yeah like you know anytime you you lose a loved one that kind of piece goes missing and realizing that it it really helps out you know it was a really good touch i think to put that in there because you know i never had that had an issue with the whole movie as a child but without that would i have i don't know yeah that's 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 a good a good thought that's true yeah but i mean spielberg and lucas apparently cut out i think there's like 10 or 15 minutes that are missing yeah. Which, uh, fun fact, I've read about these actually created some inconsistencies. I don't know if you noticed throughout the movie, but there's points where the sharp tooth has his right eye closed. Mm-hmm. And it's not actually closed. He actually lost his eye yeah. um, in one of the edited out parts. And uh, they just it's an inconsistency now because they didn't want it to be too dark for, for the child audience. They were like, apparently they, they told the told the people or Don Bluth, they were just like, no, we don't want kids like crying in the, you know, in the theater or anything. <laughs> you know we don't want parents mad at us like no right. this needs to go yeah and they they um i also noticed too that um sarah actually says when she finds the sharp tooth in the uh down like in the crevice and she comes mm-hmm. back and she's like bragging about how she attacked it you know she says like i looked it in its eye yeah and i yeah, was like wait too. did it does it only have one eye when did i miss something <laughs> so that makes a lot more sense um I think they mostly were just trying to make sure it had a G rating. 
Yeah, that's really what it was. I think that's what pulled it down from a PG to mm-hmm. a G was taking those edits out. Yeah, but even even taking all the the taking some fight sequences out and some like scary parts, this movie mm-hmm. still goes so hard. Like it does oh, yeah. not stop. Like there is never really like maybe like a minute every once in a while there's like a cute like the little scene with the little bird bat things. With over the yes. cherries. <laughs> yes, yes. Another great musical moment there that very, you know, another great musical moment there. Yeah. Just that, that whole scene doesn't need words. You get everything just from the music and the animation. Yeah. Oh, man. That was another, actually, another thing that made me think of Charlie Brown, which is really weird. They made me, all those little things made me think of Woodstock. Oh, yeah. That's um, a good point. <laughs> like the way they, I don't know why that's like my... <laughs> That's that my, your go-to is Charlie Brown? I guess so. My knowledge is mostly old cartoons. No, that's fair. <laughs> that, you know. You know, anyway, it was, that was just, those were my little, I was like, if I had a little plush, I would want one of those little bat things with the cherries. They're super cute. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to see the disappointment on its face, it's like, you don't want, you don't want my cherry. Okay. All right. I'm fine. with you. It was so cute. <laughs> it was really cute. Um, I felt really bad for Sarah's voice actor because they make her scream a lot in this movie. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's a uh, it, yeah that had to not be fun. And there's man, there is some weird editing things where it's just like scream cut. Yeah, it, it, it's just like it, you know, of course, as a kid, you never notice these things, and it's for a child. But just listening back, it's like whoa, that's that's abrupt. Yeah, there was one part where um, the actual like audio quality of the mom's dialogue changed Mm -hmm. i don't know if you picked up on that Uh. but she was talking to littlefoot and she said like she said like littlefoot and then it went into like a monologue and the audio quality shifted a lot i did not notice that yeah i was it may just have been because i had headphones on but i was like whoa that's like recorded in a whole different studio (laughs) right (laughs) um uh not that that's a bad thing, but I just was like, you know, I don't know. I, so it made me wonder, like, what was their budget on this film? How much time did they take to make it? Like, you know, did they have to go back in and edit stuff later afterward? Like, I don't know. It just was very yeah. curious to me. I know I, I know there were, I, I think Don Bluth had started working on this movie uh, right after he left Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was three years later, I think, that the movie came out. And, of course, I think this is one of the first movies that, well, maybe like the second movie, because I think it was American Tale that released the year before this, and then the following year was All Dogs Go to Heaven. Um, but, yeah, I think this was like the second movie or something along those lines. I don't know. I don't have the actual information. But thinking about it as being their second movie, I could see how they wouldn't have much of a budget, and, you know, they got to work with what they got. Hmm. Um but yeah, no, you know, no tea, no shade there. That's fine. <laughs> fine with me. <laughs> sure. Um, let me see here. Okay. Um, so what were what were some of your favorite parts of this movie? Like what were some, like what, do you have like a favorite part or a favorite moment or, you know, um, something that really stands I, out to you? I like the whole sequence of of them when they when they actually find food after it's after the whole stampede on the the star leaves or uh Mm -hmm. tree stars that's it tree stars Mm -hmm. which man is has there ever been a more delicious looking leaf (laughs) i don't know i saw them i saw a meme recently that talked about that i was like yeah that did make me want to eat vegetables and did a good job 
But uh, it was it was a scene where they wound up uh, they getting they stack themselves up and Spike pushes from the bottom so that Petrie can get up there and start ripping down all the leaves for them to be able to eat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I like how how hard headed Sarah is. She's just determined to be on her own and do her own thing. Well, you know, and I again I think it's a great representation and you know mm-hmm. you're just keeping that keeping that strong willed and like ah, I can take care of myself. But you also get the side of it's like, well, you know, let friends help out, too. And Littlefoot kind of plays the game where he's just like, I'll just throw some leaves over there next time she runs her head into that into that tree. Yeah. So that was fun. And then then the whole scene where they wind up, you know, it's contentious. There's so much contention between these characters. Uh, and it's a, a very, very childlike in many great ways. And I think that's one thing that helps it really hit home with kids is it's just like, yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't play with them or something or, you know, they're not sharing the ball or, you know, they're thinking they can just, you know, play this game on their own, like fine. But then (laughs) they wind up coming together and, you know, sleeping and having that good night's sleep and everything. And it's just, I don't know. I really love that movement because it's yes, very adorable. Um, And spike in general in that scene, just like lumbering in and that moment where, uh, where he lays down and you see little, little foot's face, just like shoot open awake from the vibration. I think that's probably one of the funniest things uh, in the whole movie is his face in that moment. Yeah, I, I agree that that whole sequence of like, you know, I, I think little foot is a very admirable character in that, you know, he tries so hard to like get everybody to be on the same page and Sarah's just like not having it at all yeah. in any way. Um, and, but he like doesn't give up on her really until she like fights him. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, well, you know, I tried, I really did. So it's fine. I'm going to go now. Yeah. But you know, and but to his credit, he doesn't really give up. And I don't, I've always wondered, I wonder if he's actually not given up. It was like, okay, well, it's just three out of four. You know, the other three still need me. And that's kind of what brings him back. Or if he just realizes wholeheartedly, it's like, no, th- this is my herd now. I need to, I need yeah. to go and I need to make sure that they're okay, regardless of being misled. Yeah. Which, man, her, uh, Sarah's remorsefulness after that whole that that whole debacle where they wind up in the tar pits and everything with the yeah. uh, the skullcap dinosaurs uh that was you know that was hard to see i mean it's like you know like dang man Sarah we really thought you were doing a good thing and mm-hmm. unfortunately it didn't work out for you and that's just it's it's life i think i love it because that's life is you just realized you know hindsight is 2020 and nothing you can do about it so ah uh, the pride goeth before the fall right <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it was really funny because I, I, when I watch, when I watch movies for this podcast that I've never seen before, I really try my best to view them in the way like a kid would. Um, Mm. and not, you know, I, of course there are times where I have to put my adult brain, you know, in, in there because there are like things that kids obviously wouldn't understand. But, like, yeah. my very first instinct was, like, to not like Sarah. Like, I did not like her at all for mm. most of the movie. In fact, I was like, why is she even still here? I was really right? frustrated. <laughs> I was like, you know, if she was my friend, I would have been a long time ago. I would have been like, okay, bye. You know, like. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, can go, you can go fend for yourself if that's what you want to do, if you want to be that way. Um, but, no, she. And then, like, it was really. Uh, I guess what's the word I'm looking for? It was really impactful when she like 
all of a sudden realized that like her her pride had gotten in the way of like her caring about her friends and she had gotten them in trouble mm-hmm. and then i felt really bad because i was like oh my gosh <laughs> i was like she feels really bad you know um yeah. It's like when when a character you didn't think had emotions all of a sudden shows emotion and it's just like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, man, I do feel bad for you and I I was so rooting against you. Sorry. Yeah, and then I felt bad. Yeah, I felt bad for like being upset with her because I was like, oh, she's Mm -hmm. just a little kid. She doesn't right? know any better. Plus, it's not like her dad's teaching her super great things. So Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> um, but I I will say, um, as much as I enjoyed this movie, you know, it was really short and sweet. And I was like, you know, I totally understand how this is the kind of thing you just like put on for your kids after school. Like they've done all their homework and like you're making mm. dinner and you kind of like put it on so they can like not bug you. Um, right. Uh, because you know it's an hour and so uh but i all i what i really wanted was kind of like a reconciliation scene at the end where the parents like the parents are like why uh, why are all of you together and why are you friends and they're like but dad you know it was really cool and we did all these things together and littlefoot saved my life and like you know i kind yeah, of just like, have that moment yeah part of me wanted that moment where the parents kind of learn a lesson too about like you know we don't always have to be separate and maybe like working together would have helped us get to the the great valley faster in the first place right you know like it would have been it would have been nice if the parents had just yeah swallowed their pride and been like okay we should work on this together because uh you know, it's not like I'm going to eat you and you're not going to eat me, but that guy over there is looking really hungry. So let's just move together and, absolutely, you know, get there together. But I, you know, and I think that's at, at the end, I, uh, man, it's, I love the ending just because it's, it, it's very concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the narrator makes it very concrete as to what happens. And it's just like, yeah, this is the end of the story. You don't need anything else. And I'm, I will say I am one of the fans of Land Before Time that I think my fandom stops at the end of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I watched I watched a few of the other ones. I couldn't keep up because I, you know, I was a kid. I didn't couldn't buy every movie that I wanted <laughs> to. Um, but you know, after I think I watched like the second and the third one, and by the fourth one, I was kind of like this. It doesn't. It just doesn't have the same tone after the first movie, and you don't yeah. have the same sense of danger and adventure that goes into it. So it, you, the the first movie just encapsulates really well for itself, and you don't need Littlefoot, Sarah, Ducky, Petrie, and Spike outside of that bubble. I don't know. No, I agree with you. And and but to be fair to your like, I've only seen four. There were thirteen directed video sequels. <laughs> Oh my god. And a television series. So like No. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I don't I do not blame you for like go getting to the fourth one and being like, "Okay, I'm done, I think." Yeah. Like can you imagine yeah. like I 13 sequels. After a certain point, you have to be like, okay, this series is, we've done everything we can with it. Yeah, I'd be asking, when does time start? Because <laughs> yeah. we've, you know, we just need to get that ball rolling now. At some point, we get to the land during time and then the land after time somewhere in right? this year. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> oh man, the land after time would basically just be like the Futurama time travel where you can right. only go forward, and then it just resets and you're back to just the land before time and all of its pureness and goodness. Oh my gosh, that would be that would be a great thing to do is like make the very last sequel like a loop around where it's like the future, mm-hmm. but somebody travels back in time to like the dinosaurs. Yeah, and then then all of a sudden it's just the first movie all over again, but there's a time traveler. What? Yes. <laughs> Or you know what'd be great? Uh, I always thought this would be awesome. Is if uh, if you, you've seen the movie We Are Back, right? No, I haven't. Oh man! If you want another great dinosaur cartoon movie to watch, it's basically about this time traveler who brings dinosaurs back to like you know modern times and has a circus <gasps> and everything. No, it's that's fantastic. A very bad it's idea, really. <laughs> Yeah, it's a really bad idea, but it's a really great movie, too. It's not as bad, you know, it, he didn't foible it as much as John Hammond did, but uh, sure. it, it, it still it still gets out there and a little weird. It's It's got dark moments, for sure. But yeah, We're Back uh, pretty much features more or less the same exact, like, grouping of dinosaurs. Okay. Uh, actually, one of the main characters is a T-Rex, so that doesn't really play out. Um, but I was thinking, man, that'd be way cooler if, yeah, they somebody comes back and grabs our land before time buddies and takes them to the land after time. And then mm. they can have all their adventures in modern time. I don't know. Oh my but gosh. That, that just <laughs> can you imagine like dinosaurs walking down the street? I, Oh gosh. Yeah. I'd love oh, it. I think man. I remember a book as a kid that had something about like, yeah, stegosauruses could be buses and you just ride on them and you hold on to the plate and you'd be good to go. <laughs> So here's my question. As someone who's never seen, well, I've seen some of the sequels, I guess, but I was way mm-hmm. too young to like even remotely remember which ones. Um, do they like grow up and get bigger dinosaurs or are they always no. just, they're always little? Yeah, they're always little. And that makes me so mad. That was one thing that, I don't know. I, you know what made me the happiest? Rugrats mm. all grown up. That made me happy yeah. because I wanted to see those characters grow up. And I'd always thought like, you know, oh, yeah, I'll watch these cartoons and they'll grow up with me. Uh, man, right. foolish child was I. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I would love to have seen it. It's like, yeah, OK, you know, Sarah, get your get your horns and Spike, get your plates and all that other business. And Petra, you can be huge and have a huge wingspan and fly wherever you want. I, I always thought that would be great. And that's I think that's why by the fourth one I was like, OK, they're like. How many days after is after this did they find the Great Valley and they're having this adventure? Like, how long has it been? Because it's just like that's, every movie after the first movie is just within a month of them finding it. I don't know. Yeah. That's actually a really good question. Like, what is the time span? Like, what do you think is the time span of this journey they've been on? Because it can't be more than a few days, right? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I... I I, I, I've never really thought about it full and true. I mean, the way the animation goes is there's, I think there's only like one night that really happens. Mm. And it's mm-hmm. that, it's that one scene we were talking about earlier, but right. yeah, there's only one night scene that I can think of. And it's just like, well, no, it couldn't have been just two days of walking. It seemed like it, it, it seemed like a Lord of the Rings kind of walk. I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, they did go through Mordor, right? Yeah, I really think they did. And, you know, luckily they weren't having to worry about a ring. They were just trying to get to the Great Valley and, you know, get past it all. (laughs) Speaking of movies that don't stop. Ugh. Right. Ugh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Now I'm thinking about Lord of the Rings and how that movie is just endlessly like you feel exhausted after the end of the last one. I'm just like, I need to go take a nap. 
And then yeah. there's like 15 more minutes of the movie after after the scene where they put the ring in the mountain. Yeah, it's like you could have just ended it there and I would have been fine. I, you know, I, I understand that everything's safe and sound. They get back to where they are and it'll be good now. Oh, my dad and I joked about that so much because there's that scene where like we're totally off topic now, but there's that scene oh, where yeah. uh, um, Frodo gets on the boat and he's like looking back at his friends and they're all looking mm-hmm. at him and then it cuts to Frodo again and he like... And it's just my dad goes, how long do you think he stood in front of the mirror and practiced the facial expression of going from like (laughs) sad loneliness to like, like melancholy, like I'll miss you to like happiness. And my dad was like, man, this director really, really likes long cuts, huh? And I was like, could they have stayed on his face any longer? (laughs) No joke. (laughs) Oh, man. I, I think I've only seen the Lord of the Rings movies each twice. Yeah, once I've in theater only, and then once afterwards. Ah, uh, see, I've only seen each once, and it was pretty recently. So, oh, nice. I'm, my dad is like, he was really funny. He was like, "You play D and D, and you're a fake nerd because you've never seen Lord of the Rings." So we're <laughs> fixing that right now. <laughs> he was like, oh, "You can't good. play Dungeons and Dragons without knowing the origins of the game. Like that's against the rules." <laughs> Yeah, no that that that's understandable. As long as you don't, as long as when you're playing D and D, you say halfling and not hobbit, and don't want to get sued or anything like that. <laughs> right. Yes, but now I know, like, I can explain that to people. They're like, "What's a halfling?" And I'm like, "It's a hobbit," but you can't call it that. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the easiest explanation ever. Yeah. So that being said, I was actually thinking about so. This is a great conversation for us to have because now mm-hmm. that I've started to play D&D, I like think of every adventure movie in terms of like Dungeons and Dragons. And so right. like I was thinking of this in like terms of a campaign, like you could do this. This could be a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It kind of it, it kind of like makes sense in that way too though of like, you know, they all like come from different places and eventually they're all together and like, you know, things go mm-hmm. wrong and I don't know. It just is just a a dumb nerd thing that my brain does when I'm watching anything at now. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, well, Littlefoot is obviously your paladin because he has some kind of link to the spiritual realm because he can talk Sh- to his mom still. Sure. Um, Sarah is going to be your. I, I would want to say she's the barbarian, but I really think she's just the fighter and you know the hard headed fighter. Whereas Spike would be the more the barbarian type, lumbering, not talking, kind of low intelligence possibly. Sure. Actually, smart. Spike was pretty smart. I don't want to diss that boy like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, Ducky would be your rogue, and I think I, I'd put Petrie as probably a druid. I don't know. Petrie's kind of hard I, to place. Yeah, Petrie, and it's, it's only because like he just he just flies around. He's not really sneaky. I feel like you know Ducky did her whole her whole scene and tricking the 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 sharp tooth and whatnot, and that seems roguish to me. For sure. Uh, and I, you know, it's yeah, it's Petrie is definitely the hardest one to place, and I don't know if I don't know if Druid is good. Mm, maybe, hmm. I don't know. I Ranger, I, Ranger, probably. Yeah, I was. That was what I was gonna say. Is probably more Ranger, but even then, like, I don't know. Yeah, that's tricky. He's probably a multi-class. We'll say he's a multi-class. <laughs> he's a multi-class Druid Ranger. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> That's, that'll do it. I think that locks it down well. There we go. 
we we got this now. So so now the the uh, the challenge is like building a prehistoric version of a D and D campaign. Oh man. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, it's not prehistoric, but uh, the one of the recent the, the Tomb of Annihilation module that they put mm. out in the Island of Cholt. I mean, that has dinosaurs rampant all over it. So yeah, there really are just... dinosaurs in D and D, aren't there? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like you can. I mean, if you want them to be. I mean, again, as you know, you can be the GM, the DM, whatever you want to call it, and it's your world at a certain point, and that's true. Anything or nothing can be in there. But I think, like in the actual like Wizards of the Coast monster manual, there are like actual dinosaurs in there. Oh yes, yes, there are. Um, but also, I was thinking about like, <laughs> um, oh nope, there goes my train of thought. Never mind, I don't know what I was thinking about. <laughs> well, <laughs> I love it when that happens. I love it when that happens. Um, cool. <laughs> I love that we just <laughs> gave all of these characters D and D classes. That's great. Yeah, no, I didn't think that would that would ever be a thing I did, and I'm so glad I did it now. This, you know, <laughs> what great opportunities this has prov- provided. I love it. Oh, good. I'm just bummed there are no there's no casters in this party. What's what's up with that? Yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, yeah, you, you gotta you gotta get the magics in somehow. I mean, that's kind of one of my favorite things. I always. I think one of my first characters I ever played was a sorcerer or wizard just because, I, you know, magic. Who doesn't want to do magic? See, I played a rogue, but I played a arcane trickster rogue so that I could have, like, a little bit of the best of both worlds, you know. Yeah, that's a good call. As Hannah Montana sang in her famous song. Would, I'm, I'm not familiar. You'll have to inform me. What did she sing the in her best favorite? Of the best of both worlds? Best of both worlds. Okay. <laughs> See, I, that that's my ignorance showing through, and you, I just need some education. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing at you. I just, I, I, <laughs> I, it's just, this conversation is wonderful, and our age difference is, like, really shining through. I love it. No, that's fine. I, I, I love that we can have the conversation. It's just like, yeah, let's just do the dang thing, talk about whatever, and it's like, wait, I don't know about that. But then one, you know, one of us can tell the other, or vice voices. That's true. So apparently there's a Land Before Time wiki. Yep. I'm on that right now. Let's see. I think it was on that at some point. I'm trying today. to look for some fun facts here. Oh, this voice, the cast has been, they've, they've redone this in lots of different languages. There's a Japanese voice cast, a Swedish voice cast, Spanish, French, Finnish, Italian. Oh, man, I bet the, I bet the Japanese voice cast is super emotional probably get some sweet subs no dubs on that <laughs> oh here i found their budget it was an estimated 12.3 million dollars yeah which is uh, they, they they could they needed more no they didn't need more they did fine with what they had but yeah should have gotten more i'm um, judith barcy is the most visited article she played Ducky. Yes. Uh, man, there's a, a really sad, sad story about oh. her. Yeah. I'm seeing that Did you, now. Did you read that? Yeah. Oh, man, my Man, I read that and I was, yeah. That super bummed me out. Uh, and I don't know if you want to put that in here or anything. Oh, probably but... not. I'm just going to say uh, this is a really sad story. And if you're interested in looking it up, uh, I guess go for it, but yeah, ooh, just 
it was warnings very for heartbreaking. That. This is like wow. Yeah. So. Um, oh my but yeah, gosh. Judith Barth- Barcy was fantastic. Love Ducky, and uh, I think the girl's name in All Dogs Gone to Heaven is Emily. Hmm. Um. So you know I. Man, but yeah, that's uh, that's like the only downer that I saw in all of it. I was just like, no, you oh, ruined no, yeah. it. Like, uh, why do these things happen to good people? No joke, oh, man. Oh, man. oh my gosh, there are video games. Yeah, I think I never played them. Uh, uh, that's a terrible thing for me to have to say because I really wish I had. Oh, there's a Game Boy Advance game. Oh man, here I come, emulator. Oh. PlayStation, heck yeah! I wonder if they'll PC port that the Land the Before Time Preschool Adventure. Oh my oh, gosh! I bet okay, that is wait. educational edutainment delight. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so the Land Before Time video game for the Game Boy Advanced. The story begins when the young dinosaurs were trapped in a cavern, trying to escape, noticing they weren't alone in the cave. Because there's a sleeping sharp tooth starting to wake up, causing him to flee in a fight separated from each other. Littlefoot and Petrie escaping from the woken sharp tooth. They recognize that their friends are lost. Sierra's in the dusty desert, Spike is in the swamp, and Ducky is in the high mountains. And so Littlefoot and Petrie are sent to rescue their friends. And that's it. That sounds that sounds good. That actually I'm sounds pretty great. Yeah, I I think I could actually play this game because I have an old DS Lite. Which oh, which nice. can hold Game Boy cartridges, so <coughs> hmm. Oh no, there's a Land Before. T- uh, it's a computer one. That's Dinosaur Arcade 3D, and I don't want to see those characters like that. That's not great. Let's see. Hold it's on. scarier than usual. <laughs> game Boy Advance. Let's see if I could Please find this game. My... Oh, I found some like playthroughs of it. That's awesome. Land Before Time Holy. collection video games on Amazon? What? Man, I did not realize. I mean, I should have realized they just, you know, milked money out of that franchise. Which, oh, please. Man, one thing, yeah. uh, one of the one of the uh, merchandise things I remember getting is Pizza Hut did this promotion for the Land, of, Land Before Time. And every week they were releasing like a finger puppet of either... Spike, Littlefoot, Sarah, or Ducky. I'm mm. pretty sure I had all four of those those bad mamma jammas. That's amazing. I love The Land Before Time way too much. It was one <laughs> of those movies I just watched on repeat. Like, I could watch it probably three times in a row as a kid. I did that with uh, Fern Gully as well. Aw. Yeah, I had movies like that, except my movie like that was The Princess Bride, which is not an animated movie, but you know... <laughs> Yeah, no, that's still good. You like a peanut? <laughs> that's a it's my favorite movie. I have two copies of the book and the memoir that uh Carrie Alwis wrote and a whole bunch of nice. stuff cuz I'm a big dork. Heck yeah. Uh let's see. So, the first one's the only movie that's not a musical. Yep. Yeah, here's the fun fact. Uh, that you were talking about earlier, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas wanted it to be like the Rite of Spring from Fantasia. Yes. Originally. Oh man, that's so cool. Because uh, I mean that that's that scene in Fantasia is awesome, and of course the music is so well. It's Rite of Spring, so it's great. Right. Oh my gosh, 
the film's theme song, If We Hold It Together, was sung by Diana Ross and became such a big yeah. hit in Japan that it became a karaoke standard. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> I remember reading that as well. And uh, I'd also, like, of course, I know Diana Ross, but uh, as a bass player, oh, man, of course, I'm forgetting who actually. Oh, yeah, Lee Sklar, mm. um, who I believe he was the bass player for Phil Collins. Um, you know, I just I know bass players because I am a bass player. Uh, he also mm-hmm. played bass for like Toto. He was just a session musician. So oh, cool! But no, it's so cool to see who like is involved in this movie, and it's just like, yeah, man, that that that's great to see. That's yeah, that's awesome. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, outside of Indiana Jones, this was the only film that was co-produced by George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, when I when I saw their names pop back on the screen and I was just like, that's why I like this movie, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> Cuz they just do a fantastic job. Yeah, I had no idea they did this movie together, so uh, same thing when their names popped up, I went, "Oh, well, cool." Mm-hmm. Um, right? Not 29 species of animals are featured in the film and 5 of them were already extinct by the time the movie was set. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Oh man. I think one cool fact uh, fact is that uh, this movie was released the same date as Oliver and Company, okay. uh, which I think that's the animated movie with the cat and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it's based on like Oliver Twist. Good. Yes. Um, yeah. No, I mean, it was released the same date and Land Before Time beat out Oliver and Company like uh, for their first week. And there was like the number one movie of their weekend release. Yeah. Um, granted, of course, Oliver and Company wound up doing more money overall in U.S. box office, uh, but I doesn't matter. Dinosaurs are awesome and everyone should know it. Well, and Land Before Time was actually the highest grossing animated film until Little Mermaid came out the next year. Oh, dang. Yeah. That's awesome. Which is impressive. Yeah, um, let's see. that is. Sarah was actually supposed to be a male Triceratops called Bambo. <laughs> I'm so glad they didn't do I heard George Lucas requested that to be changed. <gasps> Yeah. I think that was Lucas is doing that. We got Sarah instead of Bambo. Good. Thank you, George. Lucas. Yeah, no joke. You did something good, George. Great job. Um, let's see. Hmm. Oh, goodness. Um, the scene where the sharp tooth lands on the back of Littlefoot's mom was originally fully visible, but they changed it to a shadow because I thought it was too scary. Yeah, I wondered about that because, like, you, I mean, I, I, feel like in the shadow you could see oh, like it getting ripped you. off and everything and it's or her skin getting ripped off and it was just like oh man i wonder if they had if they had actually like showed that how bad that would have looked because well i mean i think this goes back to a time where cartoons weren't all just like you know i don't want to say kid friendly mm-hmm. but you know you have stuff like i i had thought about like you know bringing up the black cauldron as a potential i wanted to talk about but i hadn't yeah. seen that nearly as much as i had seen all these other these other movies and it doesn't stick out as much to me, but I know that's one of those, it's a Disney movie. That's like dark animation and it's just a dark story and, Mm -hmm. you know, not light and vibrant as, you know, everything else you would imagine Disney being. And of course I've, you know, reading through this, I see all the comparisons to, to Bambi. Yeah. Which. Yeah. I was just reading that too. That's what he said. He wanted to do something similar to Bambi, but with dinosaurs, which like, what a great concept. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, uh, I'm not changing the number of legs. I'm, you know, I'm just changing what's on the outside. It's fine. Just give him some Absolutely. scaly skin. Take it back a few million years. 
few and million years and keep the mom death and it'll be fine. <laughs> right. But let's let's put in this this old let's put in Ruder to make sure, you know, the kids, you know, it's not just not just a poor dinosaur by itself without any kind of support. Because, you know, like Bambi's dad wasn't that great about, you know, really like picking up, picking up the slack there. No. He's uh, just kind of like, ah, let's see if you live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically, yes. Um, Some hard parenting right there. Hmm. <laughs> uh, my other little thing that I found that I thought was so cute was the Spike was inspired by Don Bluth's pet Chow Chow named cubby oh that's awesome so he, i did not know that that's so cool yeah i made a character after his dog <laughs> oh man i wonder how many times don bluth has done something like that in his in his films it's really cute I, i'm gonna have to start watching all of these all over again i know they're just so good well i was i was wondering like how many movies has don bluth done uh i think he's directed 19 is what i was seeing under his uh Imdabub. Okay, because he did Secret of Nim as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Anastasia, yeah. which I just watched. Gosh, that was so yes. good. I love Anastasia. Oh, man. Anastasia is so good. I love that. Bartok is so funny. Yes. Oh. <laughs> um, Wait. Oh, my gosh. In 1997, there were talks of adapting the film into a stage musical. I read about that. I don't know how I feel about that. Oh. Be interested to see, but How you know, mainly you because do it. That? I don't know, considering it's it's not. I actually, I think it would be okay because it's not a musical. Um, you might be you'd, you'd have a lot of liberty to go with as far as what goes on, because I mean, you pretty much have. To, I mean, feel I feel like with Lion King, you have to stick to the verbatim. I haven't seen Lion King the musical, other than just the movie. But so I don't know if they've added in extra extra songs or anything in that. There are a. F- you not a whole lot it's mostly just like stuff like in between stuff that's got like Mm -hmm. you know more like uh, you know african chants and that kind of thing just so it's more like culturally significant right Um, and there's some i think they add a new villain there's another some more villain music um but okay you know i have only seen it on like tour so which is different from the broadway show apparently right um yeah i uh i'm mostly more talking about like the plot you probably could definitely make that work in a stage you know even if it was just a play i'm thinking more of like how are you going to have dinosaurs on stage like the budget you would need i just Hmm. oh my gosh oh the puppets or what (laughs) uh Oh, I'm just thinking about well, it now. Well, I think anytime you would have, uh, you know, the mom, the grandpa, or the grandma come into scene, it would just be just a giant net that comes in <laughs> from off stage, uh, and maybe maybe you have a back setting of just like the the feet, sure, and whatnot. But uh, but yeah, that would be quite an undertaking to get everything together. I I would have to say I did very little um, uh, stage stage building in high school when I did musicals mm. but that was probably the funnest thing that I got to do was work on the different sets and everything yeah uh, so I think that would be a lot of fun to be a part of the design in that because I mean the mimicking the animation that uh, the people did just for the backdrops I mean I, I love the backdrops of this and it was something I was reading is the different just the different colors they use to get across the fact that this is a drab environment there's no foliage it's all just dead rock 
Uh, but it's not boring looking. Mm-hmm. I didn't get bored ever looking at it. It's always, you know, there's always something intriguing. The lighting that they use or the the haze that kind of filters in and the fog and everything that adds that different coloration yeah. here and there. Just, I, I think that really, like, sets the tone but doesn't, definitely isn't drab. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I was just, I found another page of, like, things here. Mm-hmm. Um, over 600 background paintings were made for this film. Man, I would love Which to is... have one of those originals. Oh, I know. Wouldn't that be great? And It would be really cool. Like, I can't imagine how hard that must have been because most of the movie was, you know, barren wastelands and lots of, like, rock and mountains and, like, red clay. And, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I know... Um, they really like, you know, it's a kids movie, so they really want to try to keep the colors looking like really super vibrant and like interesting. And so I can't imagine how difficult it would be to keep this kind of scenery from not being boring looking or. Oh, yeah, know. absolutely. And that's I mean, yeah, just to the to the to the artist's credit on that. I mean, you know, it wasn't the entire time. It's not like I'm just watching the the characters. Like you can take in a lot from the from the landscape and see all the different things. I really like their interpretations of different different trees and mm-hmm. the, just the Jurassic style foliage that was left over for them. Um, it really really builds the world and helps helps with my immersion personally. No, definitely, I agree. I think just the design and whatnot of this movie is just oh, it's just awesome. I mm-hmm. it's it, the art is really beautiful. Um, and, and, you know, I feel like we live in, we live in this day and age of, you know, 3D animation. And so we look back on stuff that was hand drawn or is 2D and we're like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. And I feel like, especially I, a lot of people like the general populace have lost appreciation for like how much work something like that takes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I will never forget the first time I saw the library scene from Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. And when oh, I, man, when, yeah, absolutely. When I, when I was older and, like, the thought crossed my mind of, like, hey, someone drew that. Like, <laughs> someone took their hand and a pencil and drew each one of those books. Like, you know, I, I don't know. It's Some just, real uh, dedication. Yeah, for sure. And that was a big library. Yes. <laughs> there were a lot of books in there. Yeah. Like I can imagine my my wrist hurts thinking about it. Yeah, I well, I'm also not an artist, so I have a whole ton of appreciation for any kind of animation at all. Like, oh yeah, I I I mean I I draw, but you know, <laughs> music is where my skill lies, and that's about it. <laughs> Same, you're you're preaching to the choir there. I you know. <laughs> That's that's why I mean I feel so fortunate for Bombarded when we get like you know fan art or anything. It's just it's like oh man somebody took the time to like bring something we're creating to life because yeah. that's that's what animation is to me. You are bringing a concept and someone's idea to life. You are doing them. You are you are as much God as as the creator <laughs> of the you know IP is. Right. So uh, it, yeah, hands down or you know. Hands down, hands up, you know, clapping all around for all the people who do do art out there. You do something I can't, and I love you more for it. Absolutely. 
Um, and I think this movie is another great just representation of that beautiful hard work and just all around. I just think I, you know, I will say I thought this movie was really excellent. Um, I I really enjoyed it and I, I appreciate you for making me actually watch it. Um, oh, no. It was my pleasure. I was so glad whenever whenever you messaged me and said, I actually haven't seen this movie. Like, I think I jumped for joy. I was just like, yes, I got to share with this with somebody. And then, you know, it's something <laughs> new for them. And because, uh, it, again, it's such a treasured part of, of my childhood mm-hmm. that, you know, being able to share that with you and know, know that you're just getting that firsthand experience uh, made me so happy. Ecstatic. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, that's definitely been part of the point of doing this project in general is just to get to share things with other people and you know in the spirit of collaborate teen (laughs) yes yeah collaborate teen that's right in the spirit of of that you know getting to talk to other people about things that they're passionate about and things that make them happy and you know maybe relive some of my childhood memories and help other people relive theirs and get to share stuff with people and I just I just am really glad that you're here, and thank you for sharing this with me today. Oh no, thank you for asking <laughs> asking if I wanted to do this. Um, it was it was a pleasure to get the message, and just like whenever we landed on the land before time, I was just like, ah, yeah, this is gonna be great. This is gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, man, I guess I want to ask, um, what's something that you really love that uh, that you think I should I should watch, or an animated movie that oh. that you know really sits with you in the way that this does that I probably haven't seen. Mm. Sorry to put you on the spot. No, I'm trying to think. Does it have to be something like from my childhood? Do you want like a... No, 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 no. Something something that just, you know, probably I guess one of your favorite... Yeah, let's go with your childhood. Favorite animated movie from your childhood. All right, I'll try to think back (laughs) back that far. Um, Because like... I, I, the older I get, I find the more I've appreciated animated movies. I'm also a college mm-hmm. student. And so I'm at that age of like being 20. I'm at that age where I'm like, I'm not an adult. I'm just, I'm a kid still, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so, uh, have you seen, have you seen Kubo yet? Kubo? No, uh, I have not. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, uh, there's this movie that just came out last year or the year before. I think it was last year. It's called Kubo and the Two Strings, and it was made by Leica Studios, which is a stop-motion animation. They made Coraline and Box Trolls and uh, Paranorman. Okay. And uh, they their work is just so good. Oh, my gosh. I, I like the movie is so visually stunning, and the plot is great, and, like, of course, the whole movie, you know, centers around this boy and his, like, sitar, which, you know, music, there you go again, oh, like, uh, it just, the whole movie is great. And then the other movie that's recent that I've loved was Coco. Oh, I know I need to see okay, that. Okay, that movie is, like, I cried at least three times. It was so good. Um, awesome. From my childhood, I think, I mean, definitely the Beauty and the Beast I loved that movie. Okay, I, I got you there. I loved it too. I watched it, oh, you know, oh, a lot. <laughs> Belle was my favorite princess for forever. She still is. Um, yeah. Let's see. What else did I love? I was trying to think of like, <laughs> we watched a lot of Emperor's New Groove in my house because that was my brother's favorite. Okay. So like, have you seen that one? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Part of that, that's like, that's a big part of my childhood. Um, Heck yeah. 
trying to think. You really did put me on the spot here. <laughs> no, I, I apologize. No, you know. don't, don't, don't. It's okay. <laughs> this is good. This is like an important thing I should actually think about for when people ask me this question. <laughs> um, let me see. I'm actually going to pull up my list here. I'm cheating. Yeah, go right Don't ahead. Tell. Man, I'm looking at some of these images for Kubo. Oh, mum's the word. I'm looking up the images for Kubo and some of the, yeah, it looks really awesome. It's stop motion. Like the art style looks so great. I, yeah, I, I'm really surprised when you told me it was stop motion because this looks like, you know, almost like, you know, kind of that 3D anime style in a way. But it's knowing that so it's stop motion, beautiful. it's just like. And the big monster that they fight at the end is the very first, um, very first stop motion character that's fully and entirely 3d printed oh dang um that's awesome yeah it's it's completely that it's the big like moon worm moon dragon they fight is completely 3d printed um that's cool uh let's see oh fantastic mr fox was big for me and my my siblings did have you seen that one i can't say if i have that's another i know the the name Okay. It's a good one. Mr. Fox. All right. I'm just pulling up tab after tab, typing them in. Yeah. Um, Mr. Fox. We watched a lot of Fantasia 2000 in my house because of uh, because of the classical music. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Same. I'm remembering now a lot of what we watched when we were kids was um, the Beatrix Potter Peter Rabbit stories in animated form. Okay. Um, and they were yeah, real Beatrix short. Potter. Because they're like, you know, they're like bedtime stories. But like before we went to bed, right. my mom and they're like all water. It's like all watercolor and hand because it looks like her. They animated it to look like her watercolor and ink drawings that she did in her books. Okay. I don't know how much you know about um, Beatrix Potter. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the name for the first time, but I'm sure I've probably. Really? I mean, I yeah, it's it's not it's not ringing any bells for me personally, but I'm sure, you know, of course I know about Peter Rabbit, but I just, you know, it may have been one of those things as a kid, I never made the association or remembered the name. Oh no, she's like really yeah, super I'm a, awesome. I'm a bad person. No, no, you're not. No, no, listen. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Oh gosh. Oh golly. I could, oh man. <laughs> okay. Hold on. We're going to wrap. I know. I know that feeling that you have. Oh, okay. We're going to wrap this up so that I can talk to you about Beatrix Potter, but not on the air. <laughs> That's totally fair. Okay. We will have a good chat about it. <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for listening to Ink Tank. Um, Kyle, where can people find you if you want to be found? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm, my handle is at Boognish underscore theory. Boognish is spelled B double O G N I S H underscore theory. Yeah. Um, which, well, I'll tell you about where that came from later, but, uh, but yeah, you can find me there or if you, you know, any, I'm also on the bombarded account, which is at bombarded cast. You can find any of the stuff that I do with Lindby at lindbymusic.com. Lindby is spelled L I N D B Y. Uh, we have a Bandcamp, Facebook. Uh, we have our own website that I just listed off. So, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm out there. You just find me. Yep. And the, their music is great, too, not just the podcast. Go check both of them out. Oh, thanks. Um, and this has been Ink Tank. You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at Ink Tank Cast. That's I-N-K-T-A-N-K Cast. Or you can find us on our host website, which is Lunar Light Studio. Studio, not plural. S-T-U-D-I-O. <laughs> 
gmail.com. Um, so, yes, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you again, Kyle, for being here. It was wonderful to have you. No, thank you. And uh, we'll see you next time on Ink Tank. Thank <laughs> you.